start tonight, though, by talking about something totally off that topic. I know, um, how, many, how many ladies ever had cravings when you were pregnant? Anybody? Can you tell us what they, what were they? Kind of, say, you got to talk a little louder. It's kind of, anything salty? Okay. McDonald's, French fries? Okay. I know with one of ours, Nicole craved um, uh, egg, uh, egg rolls, right? That's one of them. No. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> did somebody else have them? What's that? Uh, you have banana splits. Okay. Well, I must be pregnant then because I crave that too. But milkshakes. All right. Mexican biscuits and gravy. Grapefruit juice. Interesting. What's that? Mac and cheese. And I know, I know we had this where you were like craving liver, which was weird because you were, then we found out you were low in iron and that was, explained that a little bit. But now for the rest of us, I, I know there are things, I mean, there must be times when you crave a certain food, right? And it might be something that is familiar or maybe you can't even get here. And uh, I don't know if some of you probably lived in other parts of the country or even other parts of the world and there's things you crave and you can't have because it's not here. Anybody ever have that experience? I mean, somebody mentioned Mexican food, and I enjoy Mexican food, and, and it's not that the Mexican food here is bad, but it's not what I grew up with. You know what I mean? It's just not the same. And um, a friend of mine just this last week happened to be vacationing in San Diego, and he's like, what should I get? And I just told him a couple places he needed to go and get what I would want. And then, of course, as a good friend would, he just sent me pictures of him enjoying that. <laughs> and I thought... Thank you very much. But I definitely crave that. And, you, you know, there's certain things that happen like that, and you feel like you've got to have it. I'm curious, too, though, have you ever known anybody that maybe uh, gets hangry? Anybody know people like that? see some people laughing and pointing. Okay, well, at least Elizabeth's pointing to herself. I see that, and I appreciate the honesty there. And, you, okay, Marsh's pointing to herself. Okay, and there's certain people that, you know, that's like that, you know. And then you could be, is it hyper or hypoglycemic? Which one is it that you get? Hypo? Is that what it is? Well, I mean, it's actually a medical condition, of course, too. But I know for a lot of us, you kind of get that. And they say it's a state of anger caused by lack of food and hunger causing a negative change in the emotional state. And then I saw this cat, and I thought that would be true. But I feel, I don't usually get hangry, per se, but... I mean, I definitely have been like that. And what's interesting about all this and kind of a tie into what we're talking about here tonight is God did give us appetites that drive us to find food. And it's, it's you know, we've all heard that saying that, you know, necessity is the mother of invention and being hungry will drive you to find food. I mean, it's just, it's just true. It, it motivates you to find what you need. And this is just an interesting point, too, that Everything you're hungry for, there is something that will meet that need. And making the spiritual transition there, the fact is that there is a craving in each of us, a spiritual craving that has to be satisfied. And you will find people will find whatever they can to satisfy that craving. The sad part is a lot of times what people find or at least try to find to meet the craving isn't healthy and it's not good for them, just like the food thing. And the fact is that a lot of people are spiritually hungry because God created us with a hunger there for himself. And the the thing they try to meet and feed that hunger with isn't going to satisfy. And sadly, it's going to lead them down a road that will be 
less and less satisfying and less and less healthy. And you see that all the time. And, you know, certainly we see that, you know, there's sports stars and, and media stars and musicians and movie stars. And you see that excess that they try to feed that craving with. And you see the road and the way that ends for them. And it's never a good thing. And we see that kind of thing all the time. But here's what's true is when there's a spiritual hunger and you feed that with the right things... And that relationship with God, if you're really working on that, what's cool about it is that you get more and more hungry for those things of God and the things that he feeds it with. And you're drawn more and more into that. You think about, you know, there's certainly examples in scripture where people who were hungry for God, and you probably just think of some on your own, but I'm thinking about Zacchaeus and how he climbed a tree because he was hungry. He didn't know for sure what he was getting into, but he was definitely hungry. And the woman with the issue of blood, and she fought her way through the crowd, and blind Bartimaeus cries out for Jesus on the side of the street. And then we know the story where some people just tore a roof apart because they were hungry. They were hungry. The spiritual hunger drove them to seek out God in a way that was different. Tonight, I want to look at a portion of scripture which I've, I, I haven't really, really dug into before because it bothered me. Does anybody have that happen? There's certain parts in Scripture that offend me. They offend my sensibilities. Because of that, I've kind of avoided them over the years. You know, I've read them. I mean, we read them. But I don't really want to dig in because it it offends me. And in this story we're going to look at today, Jesus says something to a lady that's on the surface offensive. And she could be offended. She could have been offended and insulted at Jesus' words. She could have been, frankly, offended at her situation. Because if we're honest, some of us get offended at that, don't we? We're in a situation in life and we're offended a little bit. And maybe, maybe some of it's our fault, but not all of it. Or maybe we look around and we see other people who seem to have it easier. Or maybe they've walked the same road, but it's harder on us than it is them. And it's easy sometimes to look at our life situation and say, it's not fair. And we can be a little offended. And you come to Jesus and the answer you get isn't what you want. And so it's frustrating. She could have been offended. She could have been also offended in the delay. Because you know how it is when you're hangry or hungry or whatever, and it's taken too long to get fed. And what do you do? You get frustrated, right? And when you come to Jesus and the answer you want isn't quick enough, (laughs) you get offended. It happens. So let's do this. Let's jump into this passage. This this story in Scripture happens in two places. We're going to look at the place in Mark, the the. The description of this story in Matthew actually gives a little more backstory, but I wanted to look at the Mark version because we've talked about this before. Mark, we know from history, he wrote, he was like the dictation, dictator, <laughs> dictator, he wasn't the dictator, he took dictation for Peter. So Peter was always in a hurry. Everything he did was quick and to the point and, you know, really dramatic and boom, he makes it, he gets it, the story told. So, <clears throat> so we're going to look at that version in Mark. From there... And the there, just in case you're wondering where the there was, it was in Galilee. Jesus set out for the vicinity of Tyre. <clears throat> he entered a house where, where he didn't think he would be found. Isn't that interesting, first of all? Why would Jesus even do that? What? To get a breath. To get a breath. That's a good observation. And he did that often, didn't he? But typically, you're more familiar with maybe him going into the mountains or going across the lake or something like that. But he goes there because he didn't think he would be found, but he couldn't escape notice. He was barely inside when a woman who had a disturbed daughter, and in the the Matthew version, we see that she was disturbed by an evil spirit. 
heard where he was. She came and knelt at his feet, begging for help. Little, another quick little aside here. Something really cool about scriptures, there's all these little details they throw in. And they throw them in because that's what they were doing. They were looking at what was happening here. If you were going to write this story, you probably wouldn't throw all this in. You'd probably just tell the story. And you would probably try to make Jesus look better. But that's not what they're doing. They're just reporting on what they saw. So it says here that the woman was Greek, Syrophoenician by birth. <laughs> you look at that and you think, why is he telling us all this? Well, it kind of matters. And then she asked him to cure her daughter. He said, and this is from the message, in case you're wondering, that version of the scriptures. That's why it may not sound familiar. It may sound a little colloquial. So he says, stand in line. Take your turn. The children get fed first. And if there's any leftovers, the dog gets it. And she said, well, of course, master, but don't the dogs under the table get straps, scraps dropped by the children? Thank you, Jesus. Somebody said, thank you, Jesus. Okay. Okay. Jesus was impressed. You're right. On your way, your daughter is no longer disturbed. The demonic affliction is gone. She went home and found her daughter relaxed on the bed. The torment was gone for good. Gone for good. Here's a little background just to kind of fill you in on this. This is Israel here. If you look at the top up there, you see where Galilee is. That's where Jesus was from. He had just been ministering in his hometown. And then to, he had just insulted a lot of Pharisees. And then where he was going was up to the left up there on the coast where it says ACCO, that would be right there where Tyre is, and then it says Syrophoenicia, right up there. What's interesting about that and the detail, the backstory that, that Mark gives us here is that was on the border, on the edge of, of, of Jewish area and non-Jewish. He was literally on, in a Gentile area. It, it may have been a vacation area or something like that, but he was leaving Israel for a moment, or at least on the edge, and there, there's significance there. Because the lady he's ministering to, or the, the lady he ministers to in the end, she lives and she's from an area that, I know this is going way back in history, but you remember when, when the Jews came into Israel, and first Moses and then Joshua divided up the land, this portion of land was supposed to be conquered by Asher and that, that tribe of Israel. But if we look at the history, they never fully conquered it. So she was one of the descendants of the original inhabitants of that area. That's why he refers to her as being Canaanite, because she's an original inhabitant who shouldn't have been there. But then also, because of the area that she's in, you could also call her Syrophoenician. And then we know from the Matthew version that she was Greek, meaning that that would have been her religious affiliation probably. But she calls him son of David. What do we know about this woman? We know, just like you, she was desperate. She's desperate. I don't know if any of you have been desperate for your children or something to happen with your children. We had a, we've, I can only think of really one super desperate experience, but remember, we were, we were getting ready to go camping one, one day. Do you remember that, Nicole? Nicole's in the house getting stuff ready. I was in the back getting wood ready uh, for the campfire later, and I hear this scream. Anybody heard that scream from your kid? It's not a normal scream. It's a scream where you know something is horribly, horribly wrong. And I remember coming around the corner, running around the corner, and uh, what had happened is that day we'd already been out garage sailing, and Theo had bought himself some uh, inline skates, and he wanted to try them out. And we kept telling him, Wait, we're gonna go to, we'll go to the skating rink and try them out there. 
what we didn't know is while I was in the backyard, Nicole's in the, in the house, and I don't, remember, I don't remember how old he was. Do you remember how old he was? What? Third grade. <sighs> Came around the corner, and he had gotten, he was, you know that transition sometimes a little rough between the garage and the driveway? And he got one of those skates caught there, flipped around, and landed right there. And what he'd done is he broke this bone all the way through, and then he broke this bone side, halfway through, so his wrist was literally sticking out right here. Yeah, we're desperate, desperate. And you just scoop him up, and I ran in the house, and I said, we got to go to the ER right now. You know, and we just all jumped in the car, and, and uh, we're desperate. You know, we come in there. You, you know how it is, right? It, and this sounds horrible, but most didn't care who else was in the emergency room. My kid is hurt, right? And uh, it's the weirdest thing. You know, I, I, we go running in there, and some lady wants to talk to me about my prosthetic leg. Because she knew somebody with that or something. And I was trying really hard to be attentive to what she's saying. And I really didn't care. I did not care. But I needed to. So Nicole is dealing with Theo. And I wanted to be there. But I'm trying to. She's want, You know what I'm talking about? I was desperate. We're desperate. This mother is desperate. So she comes to Jesus, the Savior, and even though she wasn't Jewish, and Jesus is on the edge of Israel, and where he had been doing multiple, multiple, multiple miracles, and he was trying to hide out and maybe get some rest or some respite or get, get recharged for the next ministry tour, but they'd heard about him. You couldn't suppress that. And we don't know for sure what she knew about him. All we knew is she called him by that royal title, Son of David. She knew what that meant. Now, maybe she knew because she'd heard about it. Maybe, maybe, who knows what she'd heard. All we know, though, is she was desperate, and she knew that this person might be able to help her. So she was willing beyond anything to get that help. And when she comes to him, and the first thing he says is, you got to wait in line. I'm sent to the people of Israel. And I know every time I've read that, I thought, that's not the response I expect from the Savior, Right? Because like you said, Carol, we're all Gentiles. I mean, I'm assuming, I don't know if any of you have Jewish background or not, but we're, we're, not, we're, we're all second in line, just like her. And, we, and we're standing on this side of history, and we know that obviously Christianity is for everybody, and it was opened up for everybody. At the, but at this point, Jesus' ministry was specifically to the Jewish nation, and then it was going to move out from there. And that's what he's telling her. I'm supposed to not minister. I'm only supposed to minister to Jews right now. And you guys, we all know the history. I mean, the Jews rejected him and and we're we're not Jews. And we're like, come on, Jesus, that's not the right thing to say. Right. It's almost like he's testing her, but she was hungry. She was so hungry. She was undeterred. She didn't she didn't get offended. She didn't let that bother her. She let it roll right off her back. And her response so impressed Jesus that if you read what he said again, he, he said that the spirit had already left her. And, and maybe I read too much into this or just think about it too much. I wonder when it left. Maybe it's just me, but because I know how it is when, when we're praying for something and, and the answer isn't coming quick enough and you get frustrated and you quit praying, right? Or maybe... You're frustrated because you've been praying not just for a few minutes, but for years. And you wonder, God, when is it going to happen again? And some of the guys last night, we had some really honest discussions about that kind of thing. And one of the guys there was just sharing the fact that he's been kind of afraid to pray lately because 
I don't remember how many he said, three or four things he's really trusted God for didn't happen. And he's, he realizes he's been hesitant to pray again because it didn't happen. And he lost, lost somebody dear to him. And uh, it should have happened, and it didn't. And I think about this lady, and she was not deterred. She stayed hungry. She, she could have just turned around and said, okay, right? Because we do that sometimes, and we just walk away from him. And, and not, maybe not physically, but sure, spiritually, and we withdraw a little bit. And it's natural, and it's normal, and it's expected. But she didn't do that. She didn't do that. You think about this. We don't see Christ turning away anybody else, do we? Scripture. Hmm. Here's, what, here's what on first reading I didn't see, and I've never really noticed before. He did say that, that the Jews would be first, implying that there was salvation coming, right? And I love, I love the, the cleverness, and I don't know if she was just a witty lady or what, but when he said that about the dogs, and then she said, well, even the dogs get the scraps from the children. I love that. I want to have that attitude. Because too often, uh, you know, my response might be too quick or too quick to get offended or too quick to be, you know, defensive. I don't want to be like that. I want to be someone who stands in there and says persistently, yes, Jesus, I'm going to be next. Because there's something about that hunger that um, Jesus responds to. He responds to that. You know, Scripture does say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. That, that hunger is not a, a momentary hunger that just goes away when it's not filled. It's a hunger that drives you for satisfaction over and over. And in the message, it says you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. And something that you continue to be hungry for. You know what I see in this story? This is what I see. That the person with a hungry heart will always reach God's heart. Always. Let your desperation keep you hungry and keep you seeking after God and seeking after those answers. Because when you hunger and thirst, you're going to also draw other people around you. And they're going to see that hunger and they're going to see that hunger met. Here's some things I think we need to pull out of the story. The first thing is, stay humble. Stay humble. She came to him on her knees, and I, I feel like there's times where we start to be demanding of God, and maybe, you, maybe you're not like this, and I'm not trying to speak for you, but I know how we are in human relationships where we start to get a certain sense of expectation. This is how I should be treated. And, and there's, in most cases, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that's wrong necessarily. You should be treated well. But there's times when the answer doesn't come quick enough and you start to get a little upset about that and you start to develop a sense of entitlement that, yes, God will meet your needs. But what I'm saying is in that, maintain that humility. She came to him on her knees. She did that. And when I think about that, you know, I think it's interesting that you, Christina, said what you said tonight as we started worship because what I wrote down here is that there's times where we need to come and our praise is going to be a sacrifice of praise because you're not feeling it because the answers aren't there or haven't come quick enough. And really, you're kind of frustrated and you're not ready to praise, but you need to praise. You need to remain into that humility and that attitude of praise. And when there's times where that attitude of praise is literally going to be a sacrifice of praise, 
where you're singing the words and really frankly you don't mean it yet. But I promise you, the longer you press in and the more you, you, you put the effort in, the more humility you come to them with, you will start to mean it and you will be thankful that you did. I'm going to encourage you to praise him through tears, praise him through frustration, praise him in anger, and count your blessings through all of that. Something else that amazes me about this story is she shouldn't have been there. She didn't belong there. And, and let, me, let me work that out just a little bit. If, if Jesus being a, a rabbi and a, a Jewish man of that time, she shouldn't have gone into the house he was in. It's, it's hard to imagine that. But that's, she shouldn't have. That wasn't proper etiquette for the time. But what she did is she had an active faith that moved her and her desperation moved her to step out in faith and do something she probably shouldn't have done. And for us, I think it looks like this, that even though she was an outsider and, and something in that story, when it talks about the dogs, I know one of the reasons that I was offended by that story for many years is because I know how the Jews looked at dogs. They didn't look at dogs like some of us do, you know, where we have dogs in our houses. But in this story, it's interesting because Jesus, what he talks about is the children and, and the dogs. It sounds like that's a different kind of dog. Like those are dogs are in the house. That's different than a dog that might be in the street. I don't know if you guys have been in the third world, but there are different differences. I mean, there are strays even here that you're not going to get near or touch or whatever. But that is different than the house dogs that are eating with the kids. That's a different thing. It wasn't a matter of compassion or willingness for Jesus to heal. It was a matter of order. He was called to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And that's hard to pick up in that story because I get offended too quick. The fact is, the Jews were supposed to have been spreading the good news for their whole history. They weren't called to hold it and keep it all to themselves. But they missed the, the point and they missed... The idea that, that this good news, even the good news that they had before Christ, was supposed to be for everybody. They were supposed to take the good news of Yahweh God and the one God to everyone. Instead, they got almost proud in the fact that they were the chosen people and kept people away. Now, you could, you could come to Judaism and join the Jewish faith, and a lot of people did. We talked last week about how Ruth did that. You could do that, but they didn't make it easy. And they weren't really evangelistic. They were really prideful and kept people away. So and in this story, we see that they, they, if they were doing what they should have been doing, then this would have spread to those people a long, long time ago. And I think, I think even though Jesus was supposed to be working only with the Jews, you see the turn in the story. And when she says that about even the dogs get the scraps and he says, you can tell it just gave him joy to extend that grace to her that that he no doubt wanted to all along anyway. And I see us as being her. And yeah, we're not, we're not Jews. We weren't part of the original you know, group there, but we're all included now. And we're all part of that. And we all get to be, be part of what you know, she enjoyed. And I, I like that because um, he's always looking for opportunities to bless us and to heal us. I, I, wanna, I like this too. She didn't settle. Like I said a minute ago, she could have been put off and she could have heard the first thing he said and walked away. But she didn't. She didn't stop. She wasn't going to settle for part, or part, of, part of that. She didn't settle because she knew that there are greater things there. 
And I don't know about you, but there's times where I settle and I, I shouldn't. And, and I know this isn't a great maybe illustration, but there's times where, you know, I, I settle because I don't want to offend people or I don't want to be obnoxious. And I'm not telling you to be obnoxious, but, you know, if you get bad service, there's times where I'm like, ah, don't worry about it. I'll just, you know, or if, if my order comes and it's not right, ah, I don't care. But don't do that with God. Do not settle. Do not settle because he has bigger and greater. Don't get into the habit of, of being satisfied with your prayers not being answered. You know, I, we read the scripture last night at the men's group, and, and I want to show you two versions of this. This is in the New Living Translation, and, and this you may be more familiar with. It says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. What the scripture is telling us is that even as great as your imagination is, he's got more for you. Don't settle. That's what I'm saying. When she came to Jesus, she could have settled and stopped. And she didn't. This scripture wasn't even written yet. But it's written for us and you guys that God has more than you can even imagine. And read it again in the message. God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Deeply and gently within us. And then this next, the next verse 21 in the message sounds kind of funny. It says, glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah. In Jesus, glory to down the, all the generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So let me ask it a different way. If you're supposed to dream and it's supposed to be beyond what you could even imagine, what are you dreaming for? What do you not have because you just haven't asked for too much? Or what have you hesitated to ask for? Or what have you asked for in the past and not that prayer not been answered so you stopped asking? Or you didn't ask as much? And, And we're not talking about Cadillacs and gold rings, right? I never think about that. I'm talking about answered prayers for, for healing and people's lives changed. That's what I'm talking about. And for, for life situations that you need to see improved and things that you know God wants to do. But it's hard to imagine more than what we've already asked. But I want you to keep asking. He wants you to keep asking. Just like this lady did. We need to keep asking and, and to pray. Keep getting on our knees before God in prayer. Her, her passion, and she was determined, and she went to Jesus. And I don't know what it took for her to get to him, but she got to him. In other stories, you read the disciples pushing people away or keeping children away or whatever, and I don't know how she got there, but she did. You need to get there. You need to get on your knees and get there. You need to make lists, pray for things, write them down, whatever those wishes are. Write them down and pray for them regularly. You know what else you need to do? You need to share them with people. Sometimes it's hard to share those things because maybe you're embarrassed about it or maybe it's too personal. You don't want to be criticized. I don't know, but you need to do it. And we need to pray together. We need to pray for those things. You need to pray for their list and then pray for your list. And we need to keep praying, persistence in prayer. This is one of those stories that shows us we need to be persistent. You know, I I think we all wish that there was a clear formula for prayer and answered prayer. And if you said it this way and you stood on one foot or whatever it takes, right? But it's not like that. 
There are, though, keys to prayer which Jesus himself gave us, and one of those is persistence. I wanted to share again this scripture with you out of Matthew 7. It says, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And, and you might say, well, why do we have to keep asking? Why can't he just do it when we ask once? Because why? <laughs> you know, it's, it's a complicated thing. And my answer to you is, I don't know. Because it's not always the same answer. We don't know. There might be other things that he's working on, other details that he's working on that you don't even know about in other people, in other situations. I mean, prayer is a complicated thing. The fact is, you go back to the, the idea that we still have to be persistent. And he said that. And, and the, the next verses in this passage of Scripture, he says, he says when, you, when your son asks you for a fish, do you give him a snake? Of course not. And how much more will your heavenly Father give you what you're asking for? But keep asking. I wanted to share one more Scripture with you. And that is in Romans eight thirty one. It says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Who can ever be against us? Here's what I'd like you to do for a moment. I just want you to shut your eyes. And I didn't ask you to out loud share all these, the dreams or whatever you're praying for. But I want you to shut your eyes for a second. I want you to just think about what is it you're wanting God to do? Maybe it's something that you haven't even, you haven't been praying for for a while because it hasn't happened. You gave up on it. Might be a loved one who you know needs Jesus, but you just have, you don't see it happening. It might be a relationship situation. It might be a financial situation. It might be healing. I don't know. Whatever it is, I want you to be thinking about that for just a moment. I want you to think about it for a moment. And what I want to do is I want to read the rest of this passage in the book of Romans because it's a powerful passage. And what it does is it reminds us who we are to him and who he is to us. Hopefully, as we re- if I read this to you, I want you to re- think about in context As I read this, what you're asking God to do. What should we say then about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Jesus Christ died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. (laughs) No power in the sky above or the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Dave, if you put some music on, I just want you to keep your heads bowed for a minute, and then I'm going to just let you 
Spend whatever time you want in prayer. It's up to you guys. But Father, I just bring these requests to you. Everything that we have been thinking about and praying about, maybe just whispered for just a moment. God, I pray that you would indeed come and come and change circumstances. God, I pray that you would come and make things right that have been wrong for a long time. God, I pray that you would that you would meet financial needs, that you would you would heal bodies. God, I pray that you'd bring people to a knowledge of you that they would just change their whole lives. I pray that in your son's name. My God, I pray that you would help the faith to arise in us that has been dwindling away. God, I pray that you would encourage us from inside, that you would guard our hearts and minds right now and give us, give us a quiet faith knowing that you would meet every one of these needs. And I pray that in Jesus' name tonight for us. And I just invite you to pray. You guys just spend whatever time you want with him because he's here. He's with us all the time. Everywhere you go, his plans are to prosper you and to give you good things. Bless you tonight.